You're listening to Wholesaling Inc. Episode 102. You know, nothing in real estate's easy. So like if you're looking for like a get rich quick scheme, like this isn't it because there's no such thing. It takes like a lot of, you know, hard, consistent work. But the thing is, is that if you like, you know, strap in for it and just know that there's going to be some ups and downs. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. Investor Grit presents Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. I am super, super excited this morning. Uh, this is Brent Daniels. I am in Phoenix, Arizona, but I've got just a couple just outstanding guests with me on this podcast today. So tune in, get ready, strap in. It's going to be an absolute phenomenal podcast, something a lot different than you're used to. Um, and what what I really want to start this podcast off with is uh, is a word and, and a philosophy and a concept, and it all wraps wrapped up into one. And I think it's something that is getting ignored in our industry, or maybe it's just not talked enough, uh, talked about enough, which is the value of bringing kindness to the community. This is being kind in your conversations with people, with uh, with motivated sellers, with your buyers, with everybody in the transaction, whether it be a title in escrow or whether it be a closing attorney or whether it be you know somebody that's providing uh, private funds to get the deal done. It is bringing kindness on every single interaction that you have in the transaction makes them so much smoother. If you bring kindness, people will bring kindness back to you. And I wanted to bring on uh, two gentlemen out of Pennsylvania that really, really define. And I think that once you hear them and once they they have ability, that they, they have the opportunity to speak to you on this podcast, you're going to really understand what I'm talking about. But I'd like to welcome Luke and Adam Swamley. Say hello, guys. Hey, thank you for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us, Brent. Absolutely. So tell us, uh, give us a little bit about where you're at, what's your market, what's your market size, what's your team size, what's your experience. Kind of just give us give us all the goodies. Okay, so I'm going to let Adam actually start this for where our company started. We can give you a little bit of history and then t- show you where we've gone. So my dad and I actually, we took our like our first real estate investing course in 2009, and we bought a couple properties. They were supposed to be fix and flip, but uh, it was right when the market was changing. So we ended up having to hold on to them and rent them out because we were in them a little high. But so we couldn't find like a good property management company. We ended up starting our own. It's funny, Adam says that, but it was because Adam was renting one of the properties from him and my parents as a partial owner of it. And the property manager actually tried to evict Adam from his own property. Oh, that he oh man. Yeah. We're being late on our rent and we had paid our, our rent, I think, the first. So, um, Needless to say, there there wasn't a, a good provider in the market. We set up our own. We had probably about 50 or so properties, not a ton, but we had like enough that we were managing. And after a few years, this was before all the craze of like the e-myth and, and systems and everything. Our systems were just like not adequate at that point to be able to scale it any further than that. So we sold it. And for a couple of years, we didn't really do too much except for hold on to our portfolio. And then um, I think it was 
uh, maybe June of 2014, Luke had told me that he wanted to get more active in this. And so uh, we took another course. I'm not going to mention who it was, but it was pretty high priced. And uh, they had good information, just wasn't what we ended up looking to do. As we got more into it, we realized we wanted to, you know, just wholesale properties. And so we found um, we found Tom, and I think it was probably was it February of 2016. 2016 that we started with. Uh, I guess it was Wholesaling Inc. at that point, and we started doing the postcards and everything, and we started to have a decent amount of success. We had a bunch of months where we were doing like, you know, I mean, for two kids you know, doing 20,000 a month. And then eventually we got to like 40,000 a month. We got to the point of bringing on an acquisitions manager. And this is, I guess, like, like kind of what you were saying on the intro, what we found to be so key. I mean, after the fact, but the acquisition manager project ended up failing. And when Luke and I reflect on it, I think it was that one word that you wanted us to focus on on this podcast was what was missing. It was, you know, the, the kindness was missing. And it was like an adversary, like everything just became adversarial in our business. Whereas Luke and I are like, I don't know, happy-go-lucky kind of people. We're pretty, we at least try to be, right? Sure, <laughs> sure. We're pretty low-key. I mean, like we, I mean, I don't know. Anyone that's worked with us says it's easy to work with us usually. And, it, and we ended up not becoming like that. We ended up like, like basically allowing our culture to completely change and losing like, you know, control of our entire business. It spiraled out of control. So last August, September and October, we were doing, uh, 40,000 per month. And then uh, we hit a dry spell and didn't do a deal for three months, but didn't have any like real revenue for almost seven months. And I think that's about the time when we reached out to you. So we, we reached out to you we, and we saw that you had something interesting going on. And Luke and I were basically at the point where we had like the desperation of drowning people, where it's like, you know, it's like one last push or we're going under. And uh, we reached out to Brent. It was odd because at that point, like in the business, we were like, like I said, everything had become like adversarial. Luke and I weren't getting along at all, which isn't normal. We're like, we're best friends. And we have been for 25 years. Everything was, everything was like a fight. And like, and, and there, I mean, and around it, we talked with Tom maybe about a month after we started doing your system, we had talked with Tom and he said like, you know, this person, at least in what you're trying to do is not helping you get there. You got to let him go. And we weren't helping him either because he was, he was, you know, pretty, uh, like he wasn't, he wasn't loving what he was doing. And so it was hurting him too. And so we made like a decision to mutually split. And I think it was a good decision for, for everybody because it kind of freed up his, his future and it freed up Adam and I to kind of get back to our roots. And, you know, like you said, uh, just kind of focus on, you know, the things that were important to us. What originally gotten us some success. And so then Luke and I basically went out, um, I think he gave us about one day notice and it was, you know, Luke said, this is a blessing. Let's take this time. I actually build the business up the way we first saw it, you know, being able to provide a lot of service to everybody because it was something that we had really like prided ourselves on was getting good deals for our buyers, getting fast service for our sellers. So basically being three years into running a wholesaling business this June, we basically got to start over. Awesome. So, Got it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's tough, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> I say awesome in the sense that, that it, it seems like you're, you're starting over from one, the experience that you've already had, being able to actually do the transaction, get the deals. Um, you know, you have your buyer base, but also you get to redesign it the way that you guys really, really, truly wanted to, which is incredible. 
And in that respect, it was like truly a blessing because yeah. like we got, like you said, we had basically had three years experience wholesaling and we knew exactly how it should work. But like, you know, like sometimes like as you grow, like things like, you know, kind of morph into a way that you wouldn't have had it go. And like, it, you know, it works in that way. But you, you think to yourself at night as you're falling asleep, like if I could like redo this from the beginning, I would make it more streamlined. And so that's what we had the opportunity to do in um, July. Uh, end of June, we started bringing on a couple people uh, as phone prospectors. And at this point, we're up to having four seller phone prospectors. We don't call them an acquisition manager anymore. We have one equivalent of an acquisition manager. We're still trying to figure out the name for them. Tentatively, it's a lead manager. And then what we, uh, I think we're going to talk about later with you is we actually have two buyer prospectors as well. And the, the reason why we needed this was when Luke and I started again in July, we actually decided that we really hated for the most part, where we live. Um, <laughs> and it's no disrespect to where we're from. I mean, it was a great place to grow up and everything. But uh, it was nice and quiet, but like access to plenty of shopping and interstates. But that's like, that was about the extent of it. The house values, in our opinion, just weren't there. So what we decided to do is we live about 45 minutes north of Baltimore and about two hours away from D.C. We just decided that we were going to start marketing in that corridor. And so along with that comes no buyers. We had a 1,500-person buyer list before that, uh, about 15 to 20 reliably. If we put something out you know, at a great price, they'd pull it down and it would be 10 days and closed. Well, we started down there and we were able to bring about two or three of them down with Some us. Some of our best buyers will travel with us. Sure. And I actually got a phone call the other day where the one said that I want, I want to start following you guys down there also because they just bought one of our deals up in Pennsylvania, one of our residual ones. So we basically like we're like marketing in a new place with no buyers and Luke and I are like, okay, I mean, now we have a selling problem. We're getting people to agree to 60%, 50% of 40, value, 40%, 40%, 30%. And it's like, now we're having trouble selling them. So what do we do? We got to build up a buyer system. We got to do it quick. But what we like focus on, we have like three team meetings a week with our people because we just kind of like go over some of our core values. And this is something we learned from Tom is that basically... There's like uh, at the center of any transaction, there's like three main values. You can have price, convenience, and speed. But uh, it's kind of like a Venn diagram where in the center of those, that's basically impossible. So what we provide as wholesalers is speed and convenience. And what that means is that you know they sacrifice price. That doesn't mean that speed and convenience uh, aren't as valuable because in a lot of the transactions, you know they're more valuable than what the price is. But what we focus on is like what you said, you know, just being you know kind and caring with everybody. Just because, you know, sometimes when we're reaching out to these people and calling them, we, you know, we don't know what their day has been like. So maybe they've had a bad day and they like shout at one of our phone prospectors or they shout at us or they, you know, tell us to get lost or some colorful variation of that. But that doesn't mean that <laughs> that doesn't mean that we can't return the kindness back to them. We actually have updated our script that we use with um, from one of my prospectors. He's like got the absolute friendliest closing line ever that I have the rest of the team using this now too, where he just says, you know, I really appreciate your time today. And I hope, I hope you have a good rest of your day. He said that without me ever like, you know, teaching them that I, I just said, okay, great. Have a nice day. And I've like moved the whole team to that because it turns even like, you know, the most unfriendly person to like, you know, a courteous kind person on the backside of it, where they're just like, you know what you too. That's so even if, even if the conversation doesn't go the way we want it, I mean, obviously we want to be able to buy a house at a price where we can, you know, make a profit. But you know, we're not there to like, I don't know, like browbeat or like or have like a scorched earth policy with the people that don't want to talk to us. I mean, that's like their prerogative, and you know, we're there to provide value in any way we can. 
100%. I love it. I've got a few questions that are just rattling around, and I'm sure um, the listeners will have them as well. One, you said you have phone prospectors. Who is this person, and how did you find them, and what do they do? So our phone prospectors are basically what I guess other people would consider the equivalent of cold callers. We just like don't like uh, – I mean, while the, the term cold calling I think is fine, I think it, it can – be daunting. And we didn't want it to be daunting to our people because I really think that the, the system that you that you teach through um, the course is like fantastic. So basically what we wanted to do was take people that had no desire to be real estate investors or like no desire to be a salesperson. They just wanted like we're just friendly, gregarious people that were like in the service industry and be able to like repurpose them for like, you know, being equally service oriented in our industry. So we don't, we don't hire salespeople. We train new ones. <laughs> Love it. But uh, so we basically like uh, what we did was you, when we had first talked to you, you said referrals were great. And we're like, how I the, hate when people say that. How <laughs> the hell do you get referrals? This is crazy. <laughs> so like Luke and I racked our brain. And when we were first looking for the acquisition manager that we had gotten, we had put out like maybe 25, 30 feelers to friends and acquaintances so uh, one of them like just came to mind. He was just like a like a friendly guy that we knew from back in the day. Uh, we actually asked him if he'd be interested. We sent him a sales letter we wrote about what the, the job entailed and how we had learned it from you and how it was completely different than anyone was doing. It was a great opportunity to work from your house and, and be able to work as much or as little as you wanted. We've since changed that. I mean, like as little for us is about 22 hours. But we did that. We posted... Uh, one of those pull-off flyer things on college on a few college campuses, and then we also did Craig, like the same sales letter on Craigslist. So we hired two people initially from one from Adams referral, at, like someone in Adams network, one from the college campus, mm-hmm. and then one from Craigslist. And the the college campus and the the Craigslist uh, or the college campus and Adams network referral worked really great, but both of them had to go back to school, unfortunately. But the great thing about Adam's network is that it kind of like, you know, branched off again. And so when we were looking to hire another person, we asked that person, do you know anybody else that's, you know, pretty similar to you is like kind, caring, uh, friendly, you know, a little bit outgoing and wouldn't mind doing this and, you know, is looking to make some extra money. And he said, well, so-and-so was in my neighborhood, you know, uh, growing up. And he said he was looking for something. Would you mind if I tell him about it? We said, sure. Could you send him, uh, you know, the sales letter? And he said, absolutely. So we sent him the sales letter. Uh, a couple of days later, we got his application. Meanwhile, we hired a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, person out in Portland to work on our team. She's like, you know, one of the sweetest people that I think I've ever met as a phone prospector. And then uh, eventually the the guy that we got from, I guess, a referral of a referral has become the equivalent of our acquisitions manager. But he referred us to his brother and uh, two of his other best friends. And then his brother referred us to his wife. And then his one best friend referred us to his girlfriend. And that makes up the entire team now. And you guys hated the response I gave you of get referrals <laughs> right off the bat, right? Yeah, I hear you. That, that is incredible. How do you keep them motivated? How do you keep them engaged? How do, you keep, how do you keep the culture of your business alive and thriving if they're kind of all scattered all over the place? Oh, I just want to say one thing yep. first. And this is just like a testament to how awesome uh, Brent is as a mentor. And it's a quote I heard, I don't know, a year or two ago. If at first you don't succeed, listen to your mentor. <laughs> well, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. So, so back to the question. How do you keep the culture? 
How do so you we'll how, do, how do you keep everybody organized? Everybody, you know, with enthusiasm and kindness, getting on the phones and calling strangers all day. I mean, it sounds so daunting. There. So basically, what we did was we took your advice. One, we didn't hire any drivers, so that was like. Like a main disqualifier. I think we've shared with some people. We have like 20 criteria that we look for. Explain what a driver is. They're basically like like what Luke and I are, and we like personality I mean, type, right? Personality. They want to get things done. It's like hard you know, charging, super like uh, goal oriented. Not that there's a problem with any of these things, but like you know, they think. I mean, a lot of times, and this isn't a critique of uh, high drivers because I myself am one, Adam is too. They can be less coachable because they they're like a headstrong. They think that their way is the right way, and a lot of times that you know they're right. They can get things done their way, but um, it just makes it sometimes hard to to create a a team vision around. Yeah, and, and they're, they're also a little bit more independent, which is like it's great if you're like you know if you're the business owner or whatever doing that. But like for people that you're trying to have a cohesive vision, it's it makes chaos. <laughs> So, expressive amiables, right, guys? I mean, that's, that's what you're looking yeah. for. That's what everyone on our team is. Yep. Uh, yep. There's a few. The one thing Luke and I have found too is that uh, analyticals are okay. They're like one of our really good ones. She's like super analytical, but she takes like excellent notes. And whenever she passes off a lead to the leads are fantastic that she puts through. Yep. So, yep. Um, the other things that we looked for in people. So, I guess that's how you get your culture right first is to put the right people into like the whole thing was good attitude. Um, our main one is that money's not their main goal because we had a ton of people that applied and said, oh, I want to make money. Another key thing is that when we like are hiring them, we ask them for three references and we don't ever actually, well, I don't want to give this away, but uh, I mean, usually we don't, we usually we don't check the references just because like, you know, asking someone if they can provide them is enough. Sure. There was one person sure. that we didn't hire because he said that he wouldn't, wouldn't be able to provide references. And it's like, you know, what kind of person can't like at least like, you know, get three friends to say this guy's a decent person. So, yeah. So we basically if they don't have that, we don't hire them. Um, we like to like find people that think the idea is novel, like the whole idea. The whole thing is like intriguing. It's not like something they've always wanted to do or something they'd want to do like themselves. It like kind of fits a need that, you know, like uh, a lot of the people have kids. They want to be with their kids more. So we, basically that's how we can provide value to our people. We like seeing also that like when we hire them for like being a phone prospector, that way we feel that they could eventually become a lead manager for us or an acquisition manager, whatever you want to call it. So like we feel that they're promotable. Um, and then the last thing that we look for, I mean, this is just obviously us glossing over like the 20 some characteristics we look for, but sure, just sure. A, last, a last resort is just if you've got a bad feeling, a bad gut feeling, even if like if you've got partners also, if you've got partners and one of them has a bad gut feeling about the person, just don't hire them. It's going to create problems later on. Yeah, that's huge. Just, just, just don't even start the problem, you know, just, uh, just cut it off right there. I love it. Perfect. And you have four that are making outbound calls for how many hours a day? It's probably easier if we say it per week. Yeah. It's, it's like about, 90 hours a week right now. Yes. We wanted to hop back in because we didn't get to finish answering part of your question, if that's yep. okay. Yep. So how do we keep everyone on the same vision? So the, the one thing that we do uh, every day, uh, it's like two, there's two things. And we got this from Vern Harnish's book, The Rockefeller Habits. He's the one who wrote Scaling Up, too. Um, is that we have a daily team meeting or da I have a daily meeting with the six prospectors. Adam has a daily meeting with our lead manager. And our executive assistant. And our executive assistant. And then um, that's just to go over any problems and troubleshoot those. And then what we do on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays is we get the entire group together on an app called Band. 
we learned that the, from someone in the tribe. Yeah, I think it was Christian Richardson. But we basically just do a call. We try to keep it. I mean, we almost always keep it under 15 unless it's something super important, which we tell them ahead of time. But usually they're 11 minute meetings. We start with everyone going around the room, telling good news. Then and that can be anything business related, personal related. We just want everyone to you know, have like some camaraderie and share what's going on that's good in their life. Then we uh, ask for hangups, like any, you know, like anything that everyone is like experiencing, like repeatedly. It, it's better to just get them out there than have them like basically waste, you know, time on it on their own. And like, if one person's having the problem, there's probably multiple people, so we can really like cut down the amount of time on problem solving by by presenting the problems there. Then we like to go over core values, like so, a core value of Adams and mine in the business. So we like we have about seven values that are really important to us and we just cycle through them. And um, then we ask people to share stories if it's appropriate, uh, you know, like a 30 second story or example. Not everyone always does. And, and for that, we also have an anonymous suggestion box so that they can, you know, without feeling dumb or like, you know, or judged, they can submit suggestions and then we can just read them in the, you know, to the group and it's anonymous. And then finally, we end it with a one word, a one word or one sentence close about, you know, how they felt about the meeting. And about the direction that we're all headed in as a team. And we find that it just really creates like a lot of team cohesion that everybody feels like they're on the same page. We're like all friends here. We're like, you know, you know, if like someone's telling me about how like, you know, they're they're excited that they get like their good news is that they get to spend more time with like their their child. You know, that's exciting to me because like I want them to to be, you know, happy, relaxed and, you know, me to be able to provide a lot of value to them outside of the fact that, you know, I pay them for working. Because one of the things that we put in our sales letter for the hiring of people is that you can work on your couch. And we believed in that mission so strongly that we're actually sitting here in my office on my couch. <laughs> yep. Yep. At the end of the day, then or not at the end of the day, I guess. 30 minutes after that, Tracy, Luke and I record them all like for them. We post them in our band. That way they can listen to them if they wanted to refer back. And Tracy takes minutes for us, our, our executive assistant. So uh, that's how we keep the vision moving forward. Everyone kind of has the same goal. Let's try to get like, you know, deliver as much value as possible. Get as many houses like as, as possible. Sell them, you know, like for the buyers as possible. Deli- like deliver a vision to the buyers of what they could do. So we just try to do as much of that with as many people and, uh, and do it all, you know, like you said, with a friendly attitude. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, what I took away from that, and I'm just writing down some things here, being able to communicate that quickly and that effectively with your whole team, I think is just so important because here's what happens. You know, if people feel like they're out there by themselves, if they're out there standing alone or they're on their own island and they're making calls and they're getting beat up on the phones here or there, they're having great conversations, but they can't share it with anybody. It just, they, they won't stick around. At least in my experience, they won't stick around because they'll just get too discouraged or they'll just feel like there's, there's no support there and they'll keep their eyes open for other opportunities. And what you guys are doing is you guys are creating this business where you've got this family environment where they can come to you with their with their issues or with their successes, more importantly, and share all those things. And they have a voice and they are important and they understand that they're important. And because of that, you get to retain these people, you know, and then the, more, the longer that somebody is doing the is on the phones and talking to people, the absolute better they get. They just get better and better and better. And keeping those people around is the key to really, really expanding your business. So guys, just 
really incredible. Love it. Kind of like along the line, the same lines is like, you know, like what Luke was saying about like, you know, like listen to your mentor. I remember we had asked you this early on. Are you afraid of like people like that you have that have a relationship, either friendship or like are married or like are siblings? And you said like, you know, basically like go giver 101, you know, like that could happen. I don't like look for it to happen and it doesn't. That's actually the strength of our team right now is that everyone is like, you know, good friends with each other or like dating or like, you know, or plays online video games with each other outside of work. So it's actually made like a really strong ecosystem. And the cool thing is, is that what we found is that, you know, outside of us, you know, training uh, or coaching them and, you know, working with them individually and working with them as a team, they spend their own time asking each other questions and trying to get better. It's like that blew me away when I, when they told me that, like, like different, like uh, different prospectors saying like, oh, we practiced this or like my one seller and buyer prospector that are, that are dating. They're both like fantastic people. I got on the phone with, um, Brooke and Brooke was like, yeah, uh, Josh and I were, uh, were practicing the script last night that we had to be ready to go for today. And it's like, hell yeah. Yes. I love it. I love it. So let's, um, let's get back to your, your, your new market. You guys are in bigger markets now. Uh, you said what it was, uh, Baltimore and DC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So how do you how do you find buyers for the, for for that area? What are you guys doing proactively to to build your buyer database? Because you had fifteen hundred in the in your in the market that you were in. How do you go about in those bigger markets? You know, making a name for yourself, or at least you know, being on a um, when I send you a deal, you'll look at it basis. You know what I mean? We want to give a huge shout out to another tribe member here. Tim Seigel uh, taught us. Uh, the first method we're going to talk about, and we'll tell you about like a very similar side method then too. Okay, perfect. Go for it. So what Tim taught us was that you can just go on the MLS, you know, type in like the remarks or whatever the, the comments section and basically look for houses in the areas that you have are marketing for properties that have recently been rehabbed. So Adam and I had always done it from the opposite side. We had looked at cash sales and basically just reached out and called those agents and we said like, hey, uh, you know, I'm Luke Swamley. I saw your info on the MLS that you represented a cash transaction. But Tim gave us like the, the whole idea, look at it from the other side, people that are listing renovated houses. So it, we, we use a matrix system, which is like, I think the same as in California and, and Atlanta and uh, probably other places. Yeah, other big too. places. It's like a big MLS. And the agent remarks, we just type any like we have like, I don't know, it's probably like 50 words because every like additional word you add, it doesn't, it like searches in addition. So like, okay. um, yep. so we search for like, like throughout would be one word that we search for, uh, recently renovated, uh, new kitchen, things like of that nature or like, uh, brand new. So basically you search those things and like, you know, look up like just like a house like that's been rehabbed on the MLS or a couple of them and basically just see the words that are like that are repeatedly used. Then you basically just go back and you search for those things. Then basically when you call and you reach out to the agents, uh, I think the tribe has a script for doing it. Ours is like a, a hair different that we just found, you know, works differently for us that we like, you know, just as well. I mean, it was ours is modeled based off of the the tribe script. And basically, you just reach out and say that, you know, we find discounted properties, you know, would you be interested in in knowing about them? So immediately then, like, so Luke and I do almost everything through Mojo. Mojo is like our CRM. 
it's like how we like we get a hold of people. We don't like actually use like Ring Central or Call Fire or Call Rail really for any of that stuff. We basically almost exclusively do outbound calls at this point. We also use Mailchimp, so like uh, we you know like we send a blast out to those people. But when the phone prospector uh, after they add them to our list, they send an intro email. Basically, like uh, we have a template that says like what they discussed with them what areas they're looking for, all that kind of stuff. And um, and then when we get a property, we call the list and we let them know about the property. We let them know about what price we think it's going to be, what area it is, kind of what like we think it's going to need in repairs. You call it your buyer list? Is that who you're calling? Yeah. Okay. Yep. We call them all and we try to get them to come out. So we basically, um, I mean, what we found is a rule of thumb. It, originally when we were doing this was if Luke and I personally – called like 10 people, we'd get one person out. So if we called a hundred people, we'd be able to get 10 people out to the house. That was from our personal connections and like living in the area and people knowing us and everything. What we found like through the agent, like th- this whole approach is if you call 30, you can get one out. You don't have to get a hold of 30 of them. You'll probably only get a hold of like seven and a half or eight. Are you leaving voicemails? No. 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 So, nope. So we, uh, we basically send it in an email to all of them. It says like like all the details. Um, if we get a hold of them, we also send out an email just summarizing what the property is about. And then on the morning of the inspection, we also send out a reminder. That's something we just started doing, but I think that that's going to be like a, a staple for We've got us. about forty percent of our people out to the last one because they're like, "Oh crap, I almost forgot. Like I got to like get out to that property today." So we send it out like a little bit after they'd already be into work. That way they can see it. And then we try to do our inspections in the afternoon. But the other way is, is the other way that you're thinking about the, 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 so that's the list agents of rehabbed houses. On the other side is what we had originally done. These people are like uh, a little bit more aggressive. They like usually represent, uh, like they go out and find stuff for their box. Yep. Uh, it's the, it's the, it's called like the selling agent, like the buyer's agent. Yeah. It's not the list agent. It's the other side of the transaction. Yeah. So you search in the agent remarks, instead of for the um, instead of for like the rehab properties, you're looking for the as-is properties, and then oh, you can. Oh, I love it! So you're going after the buyers' agents that went and represented buyers on as-is deals on the MLS. And the wonderful thing about Mojo is that Mojo scrubs the two lists against each other, so you're making sure you're not calling any of the same people twice. Right. So we that there's like the selling agent list is definitely much smaller. Um, people like show up to more things, but they're also a little bit more aggressive on pricing. But not like going up, they go down on price. Sure, but there's, sure. It's not as there's not like a ton of overlap actually, like you might expect on the list agent versus the selling agent. I love it, guys. That is huge. I, you know, I have always done the listing side, but going on the selling side seems so. Oh man, that is so smart. And I feel so dumb right now (laughs) for not doing that, but I'm definitely going to, that is incredible for building your, uh, buyer database. So what would, uh, so basically you guys have access to the MLS for people that don't have access to the MLS. What you need to do is you need to find somebody that does have access to the MLS and work with that person to get these lists of agents that are out there actively working with cash buyers and add them to your database. And then you need to 
talk to them. You need to call them up just like uh, Luke and Adam are doing. They're calling them up and they're literally trying to have a conversation about a deal that they're going to uh, send out to everybody. That is so, so key. I mean, guys, how is your response when you call people up with a deal? Do people generally look at the deal when, when you send it over and don't just ignore it? Uh, we have, we're pretty rate, close guys. to a 50% open rate on our mass email, but we also like what I think like is the more interesting stat. And, you know, we used to feel like when we like found out the other method, the method you and Tim use yeah. for, for agents, we felt stupid because we were like, how did we like not think like <laughs> at listing rehabbed ones? But what we found is that, um, of the people we call, uh, of these agents, about 80% of them say yes, right off the bat. Like sure. To be put, added to your list. Sure. Put me on your list. Okay. I mean, it, it can be as high as 90. Uh, you know, when I was beta testing our system, I went on like a crazy streak of 20 and tw- out of 20 in a row. Uh, but like uh, basically about 80% is like a good uh, metric to shoot for. Then about 50% of the people open your email. And I think Adam and I, are, we're trying to like hammer down what it actually comes out to, but we're thinking that it's about out of, for your buyer's list, one out of every 20 emails you send. Uh, gets about one person out to the house. Obviously, you want there to be like 10, 20, 30 people out there, but um so you just have to build your list accordingly. Sure. How do you how do you guys have the conversation with the buyers that say, "Hey, listen, guys, you bring this to me before you bring it to anybody else, and I will make sure that one, we won't even have to walk the house. We'll just buy it. And two, it's going to be cash and it's going to be smooth and everything like that. Do you guys sell to those guys? Do you guys always yeah. blast it out and put it, put it out there? Tell, I mean, yeah, be honest. Be honest. It's, it's probably, complete heresy, probably. Heresy in whatever. the tribe. Uh, but, uh, but, and it's probably a complete no-no. In some areas, Luke and I just don't like like to divert our team from like continuing to build the buyer's list, you know? So we don't, like if we get something in an area that is going to be, I mean, it's going to spend, they're going to spend three days calling the people between adding people to the list, then getting them out there, then reminding them, and then like following up on offers. So sometimes if Luke and I know a person in that area where we know we can one off it at a price that's satisfactory, we'll, we'll do that just to like, to keep our resources on like the, the, you know, on the growing phase. So like we've got like a keep your fingers crossed for us. We're trying to get one in Pennsylvania here that like was an old lead that we've been following up with since May. The property is it's in good it's in good condition. I've got two or three buyers that I know want it probably at a price right now where you know I can make about ten thousand dollars. And there's no sense in having my entire buyers list or you know my entire team like you know divert from you know us where we're doing most of our business down in Maryland. Mm-hmm. You know, been to Pennsylvania and you know get them like all worked up to do that for stuff that we're not going to have a whole lot of anymore. Got it. You know. I already have connections and relationships up here that we can sell that property. And we can usually one off it at a price where we like feel like, I mean, like that we, I mean. And by the property, we mean the assignment agreement or we can sell the purchase agreement. Right. So we, we, right. we usually have the, the purchase price at a price where like, I mean, any one of like five to 10 of our buyers, if we said, hey, look, I don't want to have to do an inspection, but I will. You know, if I don't get this price, that's what Luke actually told on the last one that we got up in Pennsylvania. We ended up. We told them, you know, we're probably at 115 to 120. They said, okay, 115. We're like, no, we're probably closer to 120. And they went out and they're like, okay, could we like split it? And Luke's like, I don't think Adam's going to let me do that. Then uh, he said, well, could you do 118? And, I, and Luke's like, I, I called Adam on the phone. And while Adam <laughs> was still on the phone, I just said, hold on a second. I said, Adam's telling me 119. And he's just like, <laughs> okay. They're like, okay, fine, done. Send it over. 
So like, uh, you know, like when you get like, those are some of our favorite people to work with that individual buyer, those two buyers. I'm sure we could have gotten like two. I mean, there wasn't a ton of room in that deal. It was just a relist. I'm sure we could have, um, gotten maybe 2000 or 3000 or 5,000 more, but the amount of like extra work, like from, it would have cost us more money to divert our team because they're working on like basically selling one right now. That's like a, a 30, 40 or $50,000 deal. So love it. love it, love it, love it. So guys, uh, newbie, anybody that's new, that's excited to get into this industry, to get into whether it be wholesaling or real estate investing, or just, you know, just, just kind of learning what it is to, to, to be in this business. What advice would you guys give them, you know, just coming out of the gates? What, what either books would you have them read? What advice would you give them, you know, give them some, something to shoot for some action item to take so that they can start on their path to, to where you guys are at. I think this might be an unconventional book to recommend, but you like aside from the Go Giver, I'd have them read the Go Giver. Obviously, read starters. the Go Giver. And um, we've actually Luke and I listened to it like on Audible a few times a month. But aside from that, which is basically like the foundation, so if they don't have that, I wouldn't start doing anything. Um, the other book, this one's like been really uh, foundational for Luke and I. I'd say like if you don't, if you've never read it, you should read it, and especially before you spend another marketing dollar is uh, Claude Hopkins, Scientific Advertising. Okay. Luke, Luke and I read, read that about, it's a short book. You can read it in about an hour and a half. We read it about 10 times a year. It's just, he's- It's probably the greatest copywriter that ever lived. And uh, the recent greats like uh, David Ogilvie, Gary Halbert have all said that this is like, if you need to like learn how to be a salesman and uh, how to learn how to like advertise. This is the guy to go to. And basically, like the whole premise of it is like offer service. And he like tells you like about his other book is My Life in Advertising, where he says like it's kind of like an autobiography where he explains like how he was able to do the things that he explains in My Life or Scientific Advertising. So mm-hmm. between those two, he basically explains about like being a friend, showing up, offering service, looking out for their interests first, and basically people like you know, aren't looking for like what, when you're narrow minded and you think, oh, this is what they're looking for. They're looking for like an attractive offer and, uh, and, and someone that, you know, can provide that. So we would say those for the the books. And then the other thing that I would say is that like, you know, nothing in real estate's easy. So like, if you're looking for like a get rich quick scheme, like this isn't it because there's no such thing. It takes like a lot of, you know, hard, consistent work. But the thing is, is that if you like, you know, strap in for it and just know that there's going to be some ups and downs and just know that like, you know, like, you know, everybody's like failed and like the wheels have come completely off the bus. Like Adam and I, after having done this for basically three years, had to restart four or five months ago. And you can, you know, build it pretty quickly if you have like an intense, crazy focus. And I guess the last thing, Luke and I just realized this looking at our database on Friday, right before we gave you a call. The pipeline is real. You just have to build the pipeline and it'll yep. take care of you. <laughs> and it might take a couple months to get up to that, but don't be discouraged. And, you know, as long as you're putting in consistent effort, it'll happen. I mean, as long as you're doing the right consistent effort, which you can get the right consistent effort from the tribe, from Brent, Tom, Cody, et cetera. So, I mean, I know like, yeah, like, you know, Brent, Tom, Cody, Todd, they all say it. Basically, the, the, the money's in the database. If you just build the database the right way. It's like annoying to hear the first month, the second month, the third month. Once you get to the sixth month, which is like what you had told us, six months of building your pipeline and it'll start to feed you. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just, I don't know, it's night and day from like <laughs> when we started to now where it's like, okay, there's, 
any one of these people, when we get a hold of them, it's a deal. Yep. You know? Yep. Yep. And that's, and it, it, that's the biggest and toughest challenge is getting through and staying consistent for that 180 days, right? That, that, yeah. that six months of, of, you know, feeling that nothing's going to happen, right. Or it's going it, to, you know, the market's shifting on me or, you know, whatever else you, um, you know, create in your mind to kind of make you, you make it feel a little bit better for what you're doing. And, and, and a lot of people just stop. And what you guys have done is you've kept consistent and now it is paying off. Now your pipeline's full. Now you're getting more and more and more deals popping. I'm telling you, we have a pipeline uh, here in Phoenix that's been built up over two and a half, three years, and we're doing deals from that that we got from three a uh, conversation we had three years ago. So I mean, it's all about you know filling up the pipeline, staying consistent, bringing kindness to the marketplace, to everybody that you're uh, interacting with, talking to, and it, it your business will explode. Is there anything else that we can uh, that we can answer for you? I think that's it. What's your goal, real quick? What's your goal? How many how many buyers do you want in your new markets, and how soon are you going to get there? Two thousand in in, uh, in four weeks, I think. We, yeah, we, we <laughs> because like we what we found is that like if we're doing uh, twenty five hours a week per person, we've got two buyer prospectors. That's fifty. We found 50 hours per week, and we can add about 10 per hour. It's about 500 per week. That's so you can add 10 cash buyer uh, in hour. Agents, agents of cash buyers or agents of rehabbers per hour. Wow, yep, that's that is it's awesome. a good. It's a good number to shoot for. Ten. Yep. Uh, eight's not bad. I mean, like when they're training, eight's like a, a good seven or eight's like a good starting metric. Six six is usually their first day. Seven is like the day after that, and it just climbs up to 10, and then it hovers between 10 and 12. It can't get too much higher than that because you can't get a hold of too many more people than that per hour. Because like the agents, you've got like a 40% contact rate. Right. Yeah, agents answer their phone more than anyone. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. That's a quick tip. If you ever like need someone to bail you out of jail or you know, <laughs> if you're out, call an agent. They'll always pick up their phone. <laughs> That's awesome. That is really great. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, I think we put in some good, 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 uh, just incredible content for everybody that's listening. Way different than than what we usually do by putting somebody in the hot seat and kind of breaking down a deal. I, I've I've got you know I've got a whole page of notes that I've written here on on things that I need to take uh, action on right now. And I really just you know I like you guys. You guys are the best. It's really awesome to uh, <laughs> to you've been like to, you've been a have, great man to us. Well, yeah, we want to here without you. So thank you. Well, you guys have all the tough work. So if you guys are listening out there and you want to get more one-on-one, if you want to speak with me directly, go to www.wholesalinginc.com forward slash TTP. And we can schedule a time to chat. Uh, if you want to learn more about the tribe, we can certainly do it at that time as well. Until the next time, guys, go out there, take action, write your goals every single day, talk to people. Until next time, thanks for listening. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at InvestorGrit.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.